In the blink of an eye, the shutter closes and opens. A moment is captured by a camera. Within that moment, there lies a story. The image is both a frozen moment in time and a window into a larger story, into a world beyond. And it is the job of the photo archivist to account for that image, that moment in time, so that it can best serve the researcher, the explorer, the storyteller, to place that image in a broader context, to use it as a point of departure into a larger story, or as a tableau that summarizes a journey already told. Welcome to Seekers and Scholars, a podcast from the Mary Baker Eddy Library in Boston and online at mbelibrary.org. I'm Jonathan Eder, your host, and I'm delighted to be here with Dan Bullman, photo archivist at the Mary Baker Eddy Library. Welcome, Dan. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to, to have you, um, but I should clarify something. When I say here, it's a different location from usual for us at Seekers and Scholars. We've taken ourselves out of the comfortable confines of the recording studio and have brought our discussion out into the open. Here in what we call the atrium of the Mary Baker Eddy Library at the Christian Science Plaza in Boston, we have a live audience with us who will be participating in our discussion setting. So Dan, thank you for being brave and being our test case for conducting a live podcast recording. Yeah, happy to be here. Dan, we call our podcast Seekers and Scholars because it really speaks to that meeting place of those inner searches and inner drives that propel us forward and what that can lead to in terms of deeper knowledge and understanding. So I'm just curious, Dan, for you, how has the drive of the seeker and the work of the scholar come together in your work as a photo archivist? So I guess a bit about my background. I have an undergraduate degree in history, and I was considering going on to a PhD, but when you go on the PhD route, you really have to pick like a very narrow field of interest. And I was interested in pursuing a number of different subjects. So libraries and archives seem to be a good choice because as we're answering research questions or processing different collections, we're exposed to a number of different ideas and things that we can pursue. So that's sort of how it's applied in my professional life. So where have you worked before coming here to the Mary Bakery Library? My main time in archives, I worked at Tufts University Digital Collections and Archives, and I worked at the Harvard University Schlesinger Library. So coming to our archive, what, what is distinctive about it in comparison to other archives that you've explored or studied about in your education? Yeah, it's uh, the first archive that I've worked at that's part of a church. A lot of times university archives have a little bit of a broader range just with different professors' papers or different organizations' papers. So having this very clear focus was what sort of stood out about the Mary Baker Eddy Library to me. What would one find if one brought one's lens as a seeker, as a scholar, as a uh, researcher to our collection? In terms of the photograph collections, we have two primary collections. The first is the historic photographs collection, and this documents Mary Baker Eddy's life and the growth and foundation of the Christian Science Church. And then we also have the photo archives of the Christian Science Monitor, which documents all of the world events that they were covering. Uh, and the bulk of that collection is from the 1950s up through the 90s, although we do have images up through the present day. Mm. 
So when you encounter these images that we have, what are you thinking about when you look at an image that perhaps I, as just a, a general individual who likes photography, um, might not be thinking about? Yeah, I think in terms of photo archives, we're really looking at the context that the photo was taken in. So what kind of historical significance is there? How does it tie into a larger story? And I think how it's interesting with our collections is kind of being able to put faces to the names that we see in the history books and the documents. So that's what really makes our collections and photo archives interesting. So when you first started here, your first week, what was your impression of the state of the collection as you encountered it? I needed a bit of work. Um, one of the first things I did was to survey the collection to kind of get a sense of what do we actually have in this mm -hmm. collection and what's significant and then how can we bring that out in the open for people who might be interested in researching or using those photographs. When you're approaching this idea of organizing a, a collection, what are the sort of best practices that you apply in, in doing that? So I try to approach it from sort of a macro perspective and mm. sort of a collection level perspective as to what's in the collection rather than trying to narrow in and describe every single photograph. I try mm. to look for what are the threads that pull them all together. And one of the principles that archivists use is called uh, original order or respect to fonds. Mm. Um, trying to think of the context that the original creator of those photographs had them in and trying to best represent that in the way we describe and organize them. Who should know about our collections? I think there's a, a few primary audiences. The, the most obvious one would be Christian scientists and those who are interested in Christian science history. But then you also have religious scholars or people who are interested even in the local Boston history. We mm -hmm. have a number of photographs that show how this particular neighborhood here in Back Bay has changed from the late 19th century up through the present day. And it's kind of interesting to see the growth of the city, the building of the Peru, and how the skyline has changed over time. So there are a number of people who would be interested in seeing our collections and kind of get some value out of them. So talk a little bit about the history of photography as a medium, and how is that history represented in our collection? We have a number of photographs that sort of span the entire arc of photographic history. So the first format of photography was called a daguerreotype. Mm -hmm. This was invented in the 1830s, and it was basically an image created on glass, and they're in these small little cases. And then later in the 19th century, we developed glass negatives and then film, and eventually color film in the 20th century, and then all the way up through digital. So obviously there's certain technical limitations to what you can do with, say, glass formats, and you can't take as many photographs, and so there's less documentation of those certain sort of time periods. And we see that in our collections. So it's kind of reflected in how things are arranged. But in terms of how I think about organizing them, it really comes back to what was the intent of the photographer at the time. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at the visual history represented by these collections of photographs that we have at the Mary Baker Eddy Library, what are some of the stories that they're telling? I think it tells the stories of people who were building uh, the Christian Science Movement. We are able to put faces to the names that we, we see in the documents. And particularly when I look at photos of Mary Baker Eddy at her home in Pleasant View or Chestnut Hill, you get the sense of how busy she was and how much work she was doing. She's in there meeting with different people. There's papers all over her desk and strewn about. And you just get the sense of these people were working round the clock to make sure that they were getting their ideas out there and organizing the movement. So, yeah, you really get a sense of the people 
Why is it that we have these images of Mary Baker Eddy, and, and how many do we have? We have a little over 200 images of her, and we have some studio portraits, but a lot of them are candid photographs taken by her household staff. So a number of people who worked in her household at Pleasant View and Chestnut Hill were actually amateur photographers. Mm -hmm. And so they took lots of pictures of the grounds, they took pictures of Eddie, they took pictures of other people who worked on the staff. So we have kind of a rich visual history that kind of just documents what life was like at that time period for them. How would you uh, rate their work as photographers? <laughs> were, were they naturally gifted? Some of them were, yeah. There's, oh. some, there's some shots in there that are pretty good, but there's also you know, technical limitations of the time period. Sometimes the image quality isn't great, but other times there's some pretty cool photos in there. So these images, they're how old? A hundred years old, typically? Or? Yeah, it, it varies. I'd say like the bulk of the historic photographs collection is like late 1800s, early 1900s, and then Christian Science Monitor is more... 50s, 60s, onward through today. So it varies a lot, but yeah, most of them are from Eddie's time are like 100, 150 years old. Are there preservation issues and work that you need to do to, to make sure that they live on? Yeah, I'd say the biggest thing uh, is making sure we have good climate control for our collections. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we approach preservation largely from a macro perspective, because if you have your climate systems right, climate controlled storage, and then you have good housing for the photographs, good uh, archival boxes, that's going to take care of about 90-95% of the issues. When we have to do more item level conservation work, we do partner with institutions like the Northeast Document Conservation Center, also known as NEDCC. Uh, they were able to digitize some nitrate negatives that we had in our collection, and for those who aren't familiar with nitrate, it's a very unstable film format that tends to just degrade over time and actually is flammable too so imagine your your great-grandson dan bullman the fourth <laughs> and he, he carries on in the family tradition of being a photo archivist mm -hmm. um what would you want us to be doing now to make his job as easy and fulfilling as possible when he takes over as the fourth generation of Bullmans to work as, fourth, <laughs> as archivists here at the Mary Bickerty Library. Yeah, I think one of our big challenges now is actually preserving digital content. Mm -hmm. um, for preserving film, prints, older like analog formats, it's kind of straightforward, like I was talking about climate control, and it's pretty easy to preserve those things. And you can actually see it if, it's, if there's a problem. You can see that the image is degrading. Whereas if you have a digital file and it's starting to become corrupted, you can't necessarily see that. So I think a lot of archives, and we're in that position too, are kind of grappling with how do we preserve our digital photographs uh, for the long term. And as we increasingly digitize our collections, most photographs are going to be digital moving forward. Going back to the collection we have at the Mary Baker Eddy Library, can you sort of bring to life an image that is a particular uh, favorite of yours? There's this one photograph taken in a studio in the early 1880s by this photographer, Shaw Warren. And it's a really great image of Mary Baker Eddy, of her wearing a velvet dress and she has her hands resting in her lap. It's just kind of a very cool demeanored image that I really like. Mm. And she actually liked it as well. And she actually would send it out when she wrote to her students, she would include that photo with some of her closest students and they would write back to her and say how much that they enjoyed getting those images. And that's something we've been able to discover through the Mary Baker Eddy Papers Project as we 
put more of those incoming correspondence letters online. We get to see those students show how much that they enjoyed that image as well. Mm. So what were some of the ways that she used photography? It seems like she had an understanding of its application as a, as a medium in, in her work. Eddie saw that images were important and she sought to put her best foot forward with her image and display uh, images in even her publications like Science and Health. She included an image of herself in that through most of the publications in her lifetime. She definitely saw the, the importance of it and was able to get good photos of herself throughout her lifetime and, and use those uh, as she saw fit. So um, just yesterday, I, I met with some people at the Massachusetts Historical Society, and we were thinking about uh, some collaborative work we could do. And uh, one of the things that they're uh, planning on doing are various workshops that they would develop for people uh, to get an understanding about how to use a collection. What would you imagine could be a workshop around the Mary Baker Eddy Library photography collection? I think maybe different ways to access it, just mm -hmm. teaching people how do you come to our research room and view the collections in our database rediscovery, how do you use our finding aids, and how, what are appropriate steps to take if you want to, say, use an image from our collection in a presentation or in a book, mm. like how do you go through that process? Um, so I think walking people through that would be helpful. So you bring up accessing our collection. How can people engage with these, these images? The best way is if you're able to visit the library, you can come and look at over 9,000 photographs that have been digitized and included in our database rediscovery, and you can do keyword searches and look up different photos that way. Um, if you're not able to do that, we also have a finding aid on our website. And if you go to mbelibrary.org, you go to the research tab, finding aids, and then you look for the finding aid for the historic photographs collection. You can read more about it and learn about some of the things that we have in our collection. And then people can obviously reach out to us and ask any questions they have as well. And the best place to do that would be research at mbelibrary.org. So you were saying that we, uh, we also hold the collection of the Christian Science Monitor. Now, the Monitor is very well known for the quality of its photography. But they also do a lot of it. So it's yes. quantity and quality uh, represented by that organization. How do you begin to think about a collection that's that large and deep and, and significant? Well, fortunately for us, they did do a good job of organizing it up front. Um, they organized most of their photography collection by subject headings. So, you know, Russia or local Boston or JFK, that sort of thing. And so when we were trying to find ways to describe it or make it more accessible, we really looked at how can we preserve that original order and context that the monitor put it in. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenge because there's tens of thousands of images and how do you go and find a particular image if we get contacted, as we sometimes do. Uh, people will reach out to us and say, hey, can you find this particular photo that was published in June 1963 issue of the Monitor? And then I try to go and find it in our, in our original collection, which can be challenging sometimes. What was the uh, term you used about, was it respectifonts? Respectifonts, yeah. Respectifonts. So the Monitor did a good job of respecting <laughs> Yeah, they the respected fonts. their fonts. Great. Well, kudos to the Monitor for, for, for helping out Dan yeah. Bowman the first and all those subsequent generations. Yes. Um, if you were to curate an exhibit from our collection here at the Mary Baker 
library and we gave you the keys to the photographic kingdom. What would be your first uh, curated exhibit here? I think you could do something very interesting on the life of Mary Baker Eddy and just seeing how her ideas uh, developed over time and spread and, and, and how that's represented in our photo collections and trying to pick out images that kind of match up with that. I think that would be a very interesting exhibit. Dan, I think this would be a wonderful time to see if there are any uh, questions from our live audience. I was just wondering if you know when amateur photography began in this country. Was it in the 19th or the 20th century? Yeah, I'd say it was largely in the late 19th century, so the 1890s. That's when Kodak started rolling out um, the Brownie camera, and they really started producing film rather than glass negatives. So that's really when you saw the first explosion of sort of amateur photography, and that sort of carried into the early 1900s. What is the oldest photo that you have in the collection, and what year, like, context? Um, we have a few daguerreotypes in our collection, and we don't know the exact year, but we can pinpoint it by the time that daguerreotypes were popular, which was, like, the late 1830s up until the American Civil War. So it'd probably be 1840s, 1850s. Uh, what was in it? Uh, it's just a couple of portraits. I think it's one of Mary Baker Eddy's sisters. I'm curious about the technical consideration, specifically about the digitization of photographs. Is that something that was done once, or is this done over and over again as computer algorithms change in terms of uh, you know saving the, the digital copies of these photographs for the future? Uh, there have been a number of projects over the years. So it's sort of an ongoing thing. Um, we've been digitizing stuff as early as the 2000s, and some of those images are not in great quality. So we do have to rescan things sometimes. With the, the monitor collection, that was a, a one-shot that we did, and we scanned about 30,000 photos at once. We try to maintain our photographs in high-quality TIFF formats and then make sure we're keeping an eye on what formats are used for long-term preservation. We look to the Library of Congress for that. I'm curious if there's any record of Mrs. Eddy owning her own camera or taking her own photos. Not that I've seen. She definitely had her own photo albums and she would collect photos and that sort of thing, but I, I haven't seen anything of her taking an interest in photography or taking pictures herself. I noticed that currently on, uh, featured on the library's website is something called the Phillips Photo Album. So uh, how, how much do we have in the way of photo albums in the, in the collection? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we have almost 40 photo albums uh, in our main chunk of the historic photographs collection. And these vary in subject, topic. Uh, we have photos of Pleasant View. We have photos of the construction of the mother church, construction of the extension. Uh, we have one uh, photo album that has almost 50 different branch church photographs in it from the early 1900s. So yeah, we have a very rich history and we're working on a project right now where we're going to provide more description for those and hopefully digitize and make those available as well. Do you have any of Mrs. Eddy's original albums intact? And if not, do you, have, do you know the exact photos that were all compiled in one grouping? We do have those intact. We have two of her photo albums that we still have intact and they're available. Dan, could you talk a little bit more about the uh, Christian Science Monitor photo collection? Can you give us a sense of its approximate size and also tell us, are these primarily photographs by Christian Science Monitor photographers, by wire services? Where's the collection strongest and most interesting? 
Yeah, most of the collection is taken by Monitor staff photographers, and it's on a variety of news stories that they were covering. So the Monitor would send their photojournalists all over the world to cover different events. We have the fall of the Berlin Wall, big news stories from the 20th century. And that collection, the stuff that we've digitized so far is about 30,000 photographs, and we know that we do have tens of thousands of more images in that collection. So it's a, it's a very large collection. Dan, what do you anticipate will be the possibilities for people who are not able to come to the library to be able to engage with these collections online? I think probably the best place for the casual observer would be to check out our blog. Uh, we publish a couple of blogs per month, and we usually have images from our collections that are in there to help tell the story that we, we have in those blog posts. So I'd say that's probably the first place that people should check out if they want to see some photos from these collections. So we're building over time more and more stories from the photograph collection at the, at the library through our website. Yes. And people can anticipate that that will only become bigger and more robust with time. That's correct. Well, wonderful. Well, Dan, thanks so much. Thank you. It's been uh, wonderful to have you with us today. And thank you to our listeners and to you, our Pilot Live audience. I'm Jonathan Eder. It's wonderful to be with all of you in the world of seekers and scholars. This podcast is produced by the Mary Baker Eddy Library. Copyright 2019. When I went to library school, I was told that that uh, term was pronounced respect des fonds. Is That's that probably right. Respect <laughs> des fonds. It's been a long time since I've had French. So. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed listening to this recording of our live podcast discussion with Dan Bullman, photo archivist at the Mary Baker Eddy Library. Our next episode will feature a discussion on National History Day, a nationwide educational program for high school and middle school students in which they develop projects based on conducting original research in archives. Our guests will be from the Massachusetts Historical Society, Mass Historical serves as the sponsor for Massachusetts History Day. We'll look at how the Mary Baker Eddy Library can be a resource for this year's theme of breaking barriers in history. Also, I'd like to thank everyone who has responded to our short survey about Seekers and Scholars. We're keeping it up until the end of this month of August 2019. So if you haven't filled it out yet, there's still a little bit of time. You can find a link to it in the episode details. I'm Jonathan Eder. Thank you for listening to Seekers and Scholars.